0: sermon is from Grace City Church, located in D.Y. Sydney, Australia. If you'd like to know more about us, head to gracecitychurch.net. I just want to say it's been just a real privilege to be here and um, I've just so enjoyed the times of worship we've had and just to be with you I mean in all honesty I have to confess that before coming I was really tired and uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff in New Zealand and uh, involved in situations in Auckland and Taranaki and other church situations as well of course as, as our own and uh, I must admit I was beginning to flake a bit really and uh, thinking oh gosh uh, Camp Sydney eh? and uh, I know Peter phoned me a little while ago and what you got What you guys said oh, nothing at the moment and uh, so I said a theme of the Holy Spirit I said okay okay and uh, but I sort of came here thinking man I'm I feel a little bit tired but I just want to thank you so much I feel so refreshed you know you, you don't know what you've got here it is so precious the presence of God in the worship I mean I'm just weeping every worship time and I'm just being so just embraced by God and uh, I just want to so commend you this is this is a great church and uh, just walking in amongst you and just feeling the presence of God and being so refreshed. I feel personally I'm going back with more than I ever came with. And, uh, and that's just, I know that comes out of the one, not just the gifted worship leaders you've got, but out of the heart of the church, uh, which God by his grace has put in you. And uh, I just want to commend you. The quality is just so wonderful and the heart is so good. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got the benefit from it. So thank you so much. Uh, yeah i appreciate it i just want to pray for this last session that i've got with you really and i want to ask for god to continue just to move and overshadow us by his spirit uh, because it is all about him and his presence i'm I'm already blown away by some of the words that have come this morning and actually by steve's word uh yesterday afternoon and that'll come clear as i go on Uh, but i just want to say oh lord come increasingly upon us i want to thank you so much lord that you are here I want to thank you for your presence, Lord. So, yeah, so tangible, so refreshing, so so precious to us, so life-giving. I feel like you've given me life again, and uh, we just delight in your grace, this wonderful grace that matches every moment of our lives, the joys and the griefs. Lord, your grace is there, and we just say, Lord, thank you so much for it, and thank you for the cross. Lord, so wonderful. It's through that Isaiah 53, or that work there that happened, that great cost to your son, Lord, that we can now enjoy being the children of God. And we thank you so much for that. And we thank you for your spirit, Lord, whom you've poured out upon us. Lord, you didn't want to leave us as orphans. Lord, you brought us into sonship, and we thank you for your spirit who just puts that in us again and again, confirms and and testifies and witnesses to our spirits that we are the children of God. Father, thank you, Lord. Keep coming upon us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in the first session, uh, actually, I've got a, a little thing to click somewhere, haven't I? All right, here we go, in my pocket. Um, in the first session, we, we were really looking at the call of the church to be the house of the presence of God. And uh, And in the last session, we kind of looked at the kind of person who is full of the Spirit, what she or he looks like, the world that they're in, uh, rather than their little worlds, they're in the world of God and His great purposes and His great calling. And I'll tell you what this session is about in a moment, but the bottom line is, and we all know this by now anyway, is that we need more of the Spirit Uh, And that's come through so many of the songs that we've sung as well, actually. And we've seen that the Bible itself sets us up for that expectation. And um, uh, we have um, this this slide that will appear magically any second. Anyway, we have the Joel 2 prophecy. It'll come up in a moment. Um, There it is. There we go. You should know it by now. I put the print a bit bigger this time, and we won't go through the whole thing again. But this prophecy sets us up for that expectation, just those first lines. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both women and men, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Uh, And that's what this prophecy is really all about. It's about expectation. It tells me absolutely that God has sent His Spirit. It's not our idea. It's not something that we've worked up or drummed up. It's the determination of God, the declared policy and promise of heaven. All right? That's really important. It's something that God has specifically earmarked for what Paul refers to as the culmination of the age. Or as it says here, in the last days. It's earmarked for our day and it's reinforced again in a few verses when Peter says, The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Alright, so the determination of God is there and the promise of God is there. Folks, we are in the age of the Spirit. Alright, we just need to refresh ourselves in that. but of course as we talk about these things inevitably we find ourselves asking well if this is the promise (laughs) then actually why don't we see more than we do now we praise God for what we do see we treasure what we see but why don't we see even more uh, and look, in trying to answer that, we could talk about a number of things. I, I think even what Steve was bringing yesterday about what keeps us from the presence of the Father sometimes. Or, or we could talk about sometimes our lack of thirst for God. We live in, a, as I said before, we live in a sweet shop. And the reality is, is you know what it's like when you have sweets, you, you don't feel like eating the main course. Uh, you know, as any parent will tell you, you know, your children are not eating their main meal in the evening. Your first question is, what have you been eating? And, uh, and sweets do us no good at all. They, they satisfy us for the second, but they don't feed us at all. And uh, we're living in a sweet shop these days, so sometimes our thirst for God begins to wane. So we could talk about that. Uh, we could also maybe talk about our inability to persevere in seeking Him more than we do, because we live in a push-button society where we expect everything now. Uh, but seeking God doesn't come that way. It's ask and keep asking. It's, it's finding Him in the seeking. As well. So we could talk about that too. But I'd like to address another key obstacle, which certainly in my own life has been a major issue. Um, And it's simply, it's simply, it's simply this it's to do with confidence or the lack thereof. (laughs) Lack of confidence. You know what I mean by that? Uh, You know, that sense where we think, yeah, I know we have this amazing promise, this incredible declaration of God, but. But it doesn't quite include me in the center of it. You know, it's, about, it's like the, the, the command to get b- b- baptized. You know, it's a clear command. But I've talked to people before and they say, yeah, I know, but God hasn't said it to me yet. I think, well, yeah, he has. It's right there. It's a the command. And uh, it's a bit like this, really. You know, the great promise is there. But we sometimes disregard or we sometimes discard ourselves and say, yeah, I know it says that but I'm not in the center of that. You know, it's for, it's for so-and-so over there because, wow, they're moving in the power of the Spirit. They are prophesying and seeing, think God do things. Or, or it's about her, you know, she's praying for the sick and, and they're getting healed. Or, or it's about that, or, or that church over there. Have you heard about the church over there, the stories that are coming out? God is doing amazing things over there. You know, but what about us? Or, or that conference, you must go to the conference because God is going to be moving powerfully. Or that nation, you know, that church over there, that nation over there. But, but what, about, what about us? What about me? You know, not so much. And we can discount ourselves so quickly, can't we? Can I just say, I, I really believe God wants to blow that lie apart this morning. God wants you to know personally that his heart is to fill you with his spirit again and again. He wants to baptize you in the spirit if you're not yet. He wants to gift you with the gifts of the spirit if you don't feel you have them yet. He wants you to prophesy and dream dreams and see visions. It's in the promise and God wants you to understand that for yourself. He wants to saturate you more and more as the days pass. He wants us to recover our confidence that this great promise in Joel is for you and me. I believe that with all my heart. I, was, I felt actually prophetically, I was praying for someone yesterday, and I felt prophetically, you know, that God wants us to be as churches, really, as well as individuals, carriers of revival, you know, but, but revival not as a slogan or a cliche, but as a firm conviction. That we can bring something of the kingdom and the power of God into our workplaces, into our schools, into our offices, into our homes, into our communities. We are to be that full. I believe that with all my heart. And he wants us to regain that confidence. And and one of the key ways the Bible does this to increase our confidence, I think, is is really clear and simple. And, And this is where I want to go this morning. You see, the Bible tells me that the Spirit is not just the outpouring of God upon all flesh, or the power of God to make us witnesses, or the manifestation of God for the common good, as 1 Corinthians 12 says. No, he's more than that. The Spirit is also referred to as as this, as the gift of the Father. Which is why I'm still blown away by Steve's word yesterday, because he didn't know what I was going to preach on, and I didn't know what he was going to preach on. It's the gift of the Father. And I want you to remember the words that have come earlier on in the worship this morning, because I believe that the Father wants to talk to you this morning about these things. The gift of the Father. I want to put it out there today that if we fully grasp this, It'll make all the difference to our confidence. I say it's a gift of the Father. It says so in so many places. In, in John 14, verse 16, Jesus says about the coming of the Spirit. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, the Spirit of truth. Right, the gift of the Father. Later in John 14, Jesus says, uh, the Father will send the Holy Spirit in my name. The Father sends the Spirit. And in Luke, the 11th chapter, Jesus says, How much more will the Father give the Spirit to them that ask? So the Spirit isn't just an outpouring of power at the culmination of the ages. He's the gift of the Father. Now, in the last session that I took, we focused a lot on the Son, on Jesus, and rightly so. Uh, Maybe more in this session, I want to talk more about the Father as we talk about the Spirit. And as I said, knowing this fully will make all the difference to our confidence and our expectation. And it does so in a number of ways. I want to mention one or two of them to you this morning, and we're going to pray them in uh, by the end of this meeting. So first of all, for one thing, knowing the Spirit is a gift of the Father. Number one makes me understand that the outpouring, the empowering of the Spirit is, is, is this. It is, quotes naturally for me. Naturally for. For me, because God is now my father, all right? It's an entitlement that comes with being his child, comes with the territory. And we know that. It says here in uh, Romans 8, The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. In other words, the fact that God is your Father now is proof that there's already been a mighty work of the Spirit to bring you this far. All right? To make you His child. Need to remember when we give our lives to Jesus, it is an event of the Spirit. It is a Spirit of God that has drawn you. We are made alive in the Spirit. We are born again of the Spirit. We become children of God by the Spirit. The Spirit is now within us, drawing us to Abba Father. All right? Testifying, confirming, reassuring us that we're His children. So when I'm now asking for more of the Spirit, when I'm reading the prophecy of Joel, look, what's promised here isn't something weird or alien or strange to me or foreign to me. All right? There's a sense where He is already part of me and in me because God has already become my Father. It's like the blood of the Spirit, as it were, flows in the veins now. All right, So, so we need to know that. So I'm simply asking for a greater, a, a separate, but a greater outpouring of what is inherently for me. All right? That's number one. That's the first thing. Secondly, I can be confident that that Joel prophecy is for me, not just because I'm in the family, but because by definition, God, who is the perfect father, therefore longs to fill me with more of his love. Yes, this is not going to be complicated this morning, all right? But it is going to be profound because it's true. And we understand that even in earthly terms, don't we? I say that guardedly because I don't know what your father or your parents were like. It's not guaranteed you have good fathers or parents these days. But, but we know that, that, that truly how it should be. We know that when a baby is born, it's not just one-off contact with the father, is it? It's not like you know, the baby just appears. Wah, and the father says, hello, and then leaves and says, I'll phone you on your birthday. And it has gone. All right? That is not how it is. Birth is just the start of the father's involvement yeah right it's how it should be at least by definition the perfect father any good father wants to continue to pour out his love upon his child and romans 5 tells me that's the primary role of the spirit says in romans 5 god's love has been shed abroad into our hearts through the holy spirit all right So almost by definition, that's what the Spirit does. He pours into us the love of the Father. And there's a lovely story uh, from one of the great Puritans about three centuries ago. And you'll find it in your Alpha book, actually, if you read that these days. Uh, And this Puritan is talking about this love of the Father being poured into our hearts. And he talks about a, a scene where in the country, a father is walking hand in hand with his son. And they're just walking in each other's company. But there comes a moment when the son picks up his father, picks up his son and embraces and kisses his son and then puts his son down and they continue to walk. And that's the work of the Spirit. He says this. He says, it's a wonderful thing to be walking along holding your father's hand. But it is an incomparably greater thing to have his arms enfolded around you. Is from one of the great Puritans. And it's true because he is the perfect father. His passion is to do that in your life. And I guess the reality is I've met many believers who, yeah, they know they're in the family, but they haven't really known the embrace of the father much or at all. But the promise of the Joel prophecy is for you because the father wants to pour his love out in increasing measure into your hearts. I think one of the surprising joys I've had recently since becoming a granddad, all right, isn't, isn't actually just cuddling my grandkids, although that's been a real hoot. Actually, one of the surprising joys has been watching my sons become fathers. That's been really beautiful and moving. Because up till then, up to they had kids, they were my boys. They were always children to me. Even when they're 20, they're my kids, and then suddenly they have babies, and, they, and they, something happened, and they changed, and they became dads. And they expressed it in different ways. My middle son, J- James, who had the, the first baby, I mean, he sings. He's a kind of opera singer. And, and the way he expresses his love for Tapia, his little girl, she's three months old, is he just sings over her constantly, changing a nappy, singing putting her under her arm as she's walking. like just singing to her, singing, singing, singing. And if you know Jamie, some of you do know him. He's a bit out there. He's a little bit crazy. Um, I have to say that as his dad. And, uh, you know, a little bit, sometimes difficult to know where he's at. But but there, he's just singing, pouring his love out into this child. And it's the most beautiful thing. And Julie and I, we've just been wiping the tears away. We hear him booming around the house. Tupaya, Tupaya, I love you. All this kind of stuff. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, and it doesn't sound like that, of course. Far better. <laughs> but it's what he does. You think, what is that? Well, that's the father pouring out his love into the heart of his child. You're my child. And then, of course, there's Sam, who's so different. Some of you all know Sam. He's six foot four, big beard, big bushy beard. His boy now is a month old. So there he is picking up his little boy, and he's smothering him in his b- b- beard, really, kissing his boy. His little baby's like this, kind of thing. And... And there's Anderson kissing his little boy and loving his little boy. I think, what is that? That's the father testifying, persuading him. You're my boy, my son. And as I watch them, I also see something else happening. I see Tapia, who's three months old now. And I see that she's just beginning to respond to her father's love. And it's so cool because Jamie just needs to walk into the room and her eyes just light up. And she's glued to him as he's walking around the room and a smile on her face. And I think, well... Well, what's that? What's that? Well, that's that's, uh, that's the Abba Father coming through. You know? That's the Spirit. Abba Father. Love is being drawn out of her by her dad as he showers his love upon her. And that's why I know the Joel prophecy is for me because the father who made the promise is a perfection of all fathers. He wants to saturate me in his love. So when the promise is for more of the Spirit or to be baptized in the Spirit, to be empowered by the Spirit, to be gifted by the Spirit, I'm not thinking, well, is that for me? I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm thinking, Father, you long for me to have this. I receive it. And I just think we really need to hear that in our day and age because I don't know about you, but too often I think I've approached God in the past more As if I was an Old Testament saint than a New Testament son. You know what I mean by that? You know, like in the first session we're talking about this, to the Old Testament people of God. God was quite distant, actually. Remember, he was hidden away in that most holy place holy, holy. And and there was a a sense where he was a sovereign Lord, the Lord of hosts. They couldn't even utter his personal name at all. They couldn't certainly call him father. And actually, the common response was fear, concern about whether you've done all you should. He was never father in the personal sense. John Owen, the great Puritan, uh, says about the Old Testament saints, he says this about them. He says, though they had communion with God, Yet they had not a boldness and confidence in that communion. I think that's true. It was never certain. They were never quite sure of the ground they were on. The sacrifices had to be kept up to date. Have I done enough? Have I fulfilled the requirements and the rituals? Have I been to all the festivals? Have I performed enough? Have I missed anything out? Have I done enough to earn the blessing? And as Steve said yesterday, so helpfully actually, it's very easy for us to slip into the older brother mentality, which was that. Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I godly enough? Am I putting the hours in enough? And you see, if it's not enough, then yes, the promise is there for more of the Spirit, but it's just not for me. It's for those who have done enough. And I think many of us approach God that way. So we read about the Heidi Bakers and the Randy Clarks and the Bill Johnson's and the Chinese church and the revivals in the past and we think, Wow, they must have done enough. But me? I'm just trying to keep up with life. (laughs) You know. I've got work tomorrow. You know I've got goals to reach. I've got to sort out my teenage child. I've got to get my young kid through school. I've got to pay bills. I don't know how I'm going to do that and the mortgage and 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 I don't have enough. I'm immediately discounted by the pace of life. You know what? That's the approach of an Old Testament saint. And we've forgotten that when we well, were reminded this morning so beautifully. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood took away our sin. The curtain to the holies holies was torn in two. The way is open. He did enough. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Sometimes I'm so enraptured by the fact that he preserved himself without sin, that he might be a sufficient sacrifice when the time came, that he has done enough so that I don't have to. Praise God. Didn't that come through so powerfully today? I thought it was beautiful. The way is open, and we become not servants who don't have enough, but sons and daughters who are fully received. And the whole thing changes. <laughs> you know, I've always loved that uh, Psalm 84. You know that worship song that we used to sing from Psalm 84? How lovely is thy dwelling place. Anybody remember that? And raise your hand if you do. I think, or oh, maybe no one knows. Oh, there's a few of you. That's help. Only the oldies remember that one. Well, the Apostle Paul probably knew it. Then. It goes, How lovely is thy, sing it with me, dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs and yearns for your courts. Brilliant. Now, he going, Steve? No, don't, Steve. Don't go. Do there wasn't a the tune I recognized, Steve. No, 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 no. Was there a tune? But it's a great worship song. Hey, hey, it's a great worship song, beautiful, beautiful worship song, but there's a line in it, isn't there, where it says, and I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to live my life somewhere else. Now, I have to say, when I hear that, look, I love the song, and I know what it's saying, but part of me thinks no. An Old Testament saint would be thrilled to be a doorkeeper in the house of God, but I'm not a doorkeeper. I'm a son. I'm a son. I've been catapulted into the heart of the Father. I'm right there in the family. Hallelujah. That's where I am. I have a place with God. He is, therefore, happy, thrilled to give me more of his spirit. And so Jesus says in Luke 12, he says, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Right? His delight is to give you the kingdom. He longs to give you the spirit. In Luke 11, it says this, I'll put up on the screen. Which of you fathers, if, you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then know you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, <laughs> how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? I mean, Jesus is saying, look, even earthly dads, even rubbish fathers understand this one. We like to give our kids good gifts. We don't want to give them things that harm or disappoint. Jesus is saying, look, if that's so with us, then how much more eager, how much more happy must the most perfect father of all be to give us the greatest gift of all, his spirit, his presence. Can I be confident that Acts 2 is for me personally, a little old me who's bypassed by everybody else and there isn't much good at anything? Well... Yes, yes, I can be absolutely confident. How can I not? That's number two. Number three, I know I can be confident that that prophecy is for me. Why? Well, because any father, how much the best of all fathers, wants to empower his kids to become all he wants them to be. Because the reality is God has called us into doing something. some things far beyond our ability, far beyond our ability. Our calling is to bring the kingdom in, to disciple nations, to preach the gospel to all creation, to build the church and plant many others. Of course we can't do it. I remember many years ago when I first started preaching uh, at a church in Haywards Heath and I got to Saturday evening and I still didn't have anything to bring. And I was so scared. And so I went to the lead pastor of that day, Dave Coke, who you'll know, remember? And I went into Dave at 10 o'clock at night, Saturday night, and I came and I sat down. And He said, what's wrong? He said, I've got nothing to preach tomorrow, hoping he'd bail me out. And um, I said, I "I can't do it. And he said, well, of course you can't do it. What do you mean? Do you think you could do it? No, you need God. I said, well, I guess I do. Yeah, you do. So you go to bed tonight. You wake up a little bit earlier, and then you bring what God gives you. Get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't the great sermon I remember, actually. (laughs) Anyway, but the point was made: we can't do this. It's beyond us by nature. We can't do this. We need the Spirit. We need to be empowered. And can I just say, this is different from when we are born again by the Spirit. When we first give our lives to Jesus, the Spirit comes within and makes us His children. But there is another filling. There is a a baptism in the Spirit, a, a saturation that is also promised us, which empowers us to fulfill His calling of us. And we need that. We need it. Left to my own devices, I just don't have what it takes, and nor do you. But as the perfect of all fathers, He doesn't want us to fail. And again... We understand that as earthly parents, don't we? Look, the heart to empower our kids to become all that they were made for is in every parent. That's why we pay for their school fees. We pay that they get to school. We make sure they, they get there. We, we see that they're clothed and fed. We, we pay for their sports and their health care. We pay for their piano lessons and their ballet classes. We, we empower them. Because we long for them to be all that they were made to be. It's amazing, actually. I was thinking about this the other day. We even empower them to bless us in a similar way the Father does when he empowers us to bless him. We do that with our kids. You know what it's like. It's your birthday, and your children are too small to earn anything, earn any pocket money. But it's your birthday. And so what happens? They come to you, and you give them 10 bucks, you know, $10 for them to go into the shops and buy you something for your birthday. So you give them $10, and they run off. They're about five or six years old, they're off, and their mum takes them in. And then the birthday morning comes, and they come rushing into your room, and it's all packaged, and they're so jolly proud of themselves, and they, and they give it to you. Now, at that point, you don't say, it's my money anyway. <laughs> you might think that. But you don't, do you? You take it, you go, wow, what a surprise. And then you open it up and you go, wow, just what I always wanted, a pair of socks. Thank you. That's what you do. That's what you do because you want to encourage your kids. You've empowered them, you see, to honor him, honor you. That's what you've done. That's what we do. We empower them. Look, in a similar way. Our Father owns all things and sustains all things. The very breath you breathe is a gift from Him. And so here we are today. We've been singing His praises and worshipping Him and raising our hands. With what? Well, with the breath He gives us. (laughs) With the bodies He's lent to us. And with His Spirit coming in upon us. So look, we're already drawing on His grace, His Spirit. He's already empowering us. But to fulfill His calling, to walk in His world to worship with a greater sense of his presence and power and to witness in his name, we need more. And the Bible is also so helpful because it lays out what that more looks like. And we have the whole list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Tongues, wisdom, prophecy, healing, miracles, all kinds of anointing we need. And my confidence is that the Father delights to shower me with these gifts because they empower me to fulfill his great calling on my life. Man, I wish I knew this stuff when I was younger, because I struggled with this. I was one of those guys who, when everybody else was getting prayed for, I was always the one left standing. And I still remember being prayed for for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And to be honest, it was traumatic for me, let alone anybody else, because I sat there while people gathered around me and laid hands on me, and they bellowed in tongues over me, and I felt not a jot. And I just sat there, getting increasingly red and embarrassed, and hot, and the hands were getting increasingly sweaty. And uh, and I thought I'd, I'd love to, just for your sakes, you know. The, and they were, get, and after about I don't know, twenty minutes, half an hour, they gradually kind of faded down. And they said, and their response was, well, well, you've received it because we prayed for you. So just claim it by faith. And they left, and I thought, well, thank you for that. I received nothing. It was so disappointing. And uh, oh, it was really hard. And it wasn't until again sometime after, as I was worshipping my father, as I was worshipping Jesus in a lovely meeting with the presence of God was so powerful. I was just worshipping and I was speaking in English. And then I just began to make some other sounds. wasn't thinking too much about it. And I began to just step out of the boat and walk on the sea. You know, I just engaged my vocal cords. I thought, well, I'll make some other sounds. I began to, and suddenly it just burst out of me. And I was filled with the Spirit, baptized thoroughly, saturated, the love of God. Bang, I was on the floor. I couldn't stop. You couldn't shut me up after a while. (laughs) Babbling away. It was as I encountered my God in love and as my Father. And I've had fillings afterward. It's not that you get filled once and that's it. It's that you are filled again and again and again. And some of these fillings have changed my life. And I remember once as a young pastor um, dawned on me one day. I I didn't ask to become, please, can I be a a leader church? Uh, I never actually said that. It was, this church needs someone to lead it. You're in. And, And I was left holding the baby. Uh, and, uh, and I realized by the end of my first few years uh, a fundamental problem with my pastoring, and it was this. Um, I didn't like people. <laughs> Which along with a stutter, it, it's not good, eh? It doesn't, doesn't bode well for the future. I didn't like them. I, I, you know, and uh, I remember one Sunday morning, me and the worship leader, a great friend of mine, we, he didn't like people either. And, uh, and we'd set the hall up, and then we looked at each other and we said, let's just take off before they arrive. But we didn't. But we didn't. And they came. But I was laboring under this. And I'm, I'm actually not exaggerating. This is actually how it was. And I was in great turmoil till 1994. Uh, there was a mighty outpouring of the Spirit. And, uh, and I remember the weird feeling where I was telling people what was happening in Toronto. And the whole church at one point were all on their backs as God met with them, and I was still standing there, thinking I'm typical, you know. (laughs) And um, and then I went to a meeting, and then Hallelujah! I got filled again, and I was so impacted by the Spirit, I was weeping. I was on the floor. I was gibbering. Um, It was just God. And I got up, and I remember getting up, thinking, "Well, what was that about?" And you know, I I didn't know really for a, a few weeks. And then it dawned on me that I really love the folks. And and you know what? It's never left me. I really love people. And I know that came as I was empowered, as I was filled with the Spirit. It's never left me. And it was surely from God because I couldn't drum it up. So it was a beautiful thing. The Father wants to empower his children. Hallelujah. Fourthly, lastly, I'll just mention this. How can I be confident that the Joel prophecy really is for me? Well, by definition, the Father wants to encourage me. Paul says in Romans 15 that he's a God of all encouragement. That's the kind of Father he is. His heart is to pour out his blessing on my every attempt to receive his Spirit, every attempt to step out in the Spirit, every attempt to be used in the Spirit. And it's wonderful. Just recently, only days ago, uh, I received an email from someone. Where's Lynn? You're going to read it out for me, Lynn, aren't you? And it's, a, and it's a, an email that came from a, um, a g- g- girl um, about a, a long time ago now. You know, in the, in the camps, the, the youth camps that we've had. Uh, you have them here still, don't you? The um, new, new, new Day camps. So the New Day camps in New Zealand and the Australians and the New Zealanders will get together either over here or back back home in New Zealand. And um, a long time ago, uh, about probably 2008 or 9, 8 probably, we were having a New Day camp and one of the workers there called Steve, some of you all know about Steve, really shy, lovely hearted guy, helping with the youth on on the campsite. Um, And it was the year when people were really receiving the spirit, stepping out on the streets, praying for people and seeing people getting healed on the streets it was a remarkable year actually and numbers were getting healed uh it was a wonderful wonderful time and steve was like oh i want to be part of that i want to be part of that and he was almost ready to go out but he couldn't get to look after somebody and there was one last opportunity on the last night where people were receiving the spirit but not steve because steve had to take one of the guys who heard hurt his shoulder broke or dislocated his shoulder was that you jordan no, I just, I just, I'm not sure who it was, but there was a shoulder hurt in a rugby game or something, and Steve had to take this boy down to Wellington Hospital instead. He wanted to receive, wanted to step out in, in, in healing, didn't get the chance. Goes down to Wellington Hospital to A&E, and he sits there, and he said to me later, "I was so fed up. You know, there at the camp having a whale of a time, receiving from God, and here I am sitting in the waiting room with this kid." It was <laughs> quite annoyed that Maybe it wasn't you. It wasn't anybody else. <laughs> this wonderful child. This wonderful child. <laughs> and there, I, I was so fed up. And anyway, I looked across, and there was a lady there in the waiting room, and I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just talk to her. And um, so he began to talk, and said, "Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you." So he just prayed for her, and then said, "Bye. I have to go." So he went. Well, only weeks ago, I get this email from her. So do you want to just read it out?
1: Hi, Peter Nari. Approximately seven years ago, I was at Wellington Hospital A&E in pain and waiting to see a surgeon when a man in his late 20s to early 30s named Stephen approached me. He sat near me and we chatted for a few minutes and then he offered to pray for me. He was there because a boy from the youth camp Stephen was youth leader at had injured his shoulder playing rugby. After praying for me and giving his testimony, he invited me to attend King's Church, which was held at the time in the school hall at Parramatta School. I mentioned this to my mother and also to my kids. We all decided that we would try church, but ended up going to Hosanna Church in Perua instead. Over the coming weeks and months, my mother, one of my two daughters, and myself all gave our lives to the Lord. Fast forward two years from there, and I met my husband, who's also a Christian. My husband and I have now got a child of our own, as well as having him, as well as having one from a previous relationship. So our family of six are all involved with Life Switch Church, and we are all living a God-filled life in Lower Hutt, while my mother still lives in Peru. This means that three generations of my family are all now Christians, all because Stephen obeyed the Lord and stepped out of his comfort zone and offered to pray for just one person that he saw. Thank you, Stephen. I apologise that such a length of time has passed without you knowing the awesome effect that your one small act of obedience had on me. Nikki. Well, isn't
0: wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned it to Steve in the car park on Sunday morning. He's just bawling in the car park. Oh, I remember that. I time, I remember that. Isn't God good? This is the God of encouragement. He's not out there. You wouldn't have to twist his arm. Remember, he wants, he, he wants to, he's not willing that any should perish. He's called us to something that he is interested in. You know? It's not like how we can sometimes be with our children. Could you just go outside and play? No, no, no. God is saying, come in to where I am working. Come in. I want to empower you, though. It has to be through my power. <laughs> so God is the God of encouragement. As we step out to prophesy, as we step out in healing, as we start obeying the promptings to share our faith, expect encouragement, don't expect failure. So often we do that before we even start. Oh, nothing will happen. Oh, When you come before God for an impartation of His power, maybe you, you think, I'd love to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'd love to speak in tongues. I, I, I know I need to because I want to be empowered. Well, you're not coming like thinking, well, I I hope he will. No, the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. He wants to meet with you and empower you. Oh, God, once again, can I be confident that the promise of Acts 2 is really for me? Well, yes, because as the perfect father, his deep desire is to fill me with his love. Because he's a perfect father, he delights to empower me to fulfill his call. And because as the perfect father, he is the God of all encouragement. Now, I know that some of you here, you're all in different places with this. And some of you here, maybe you know what it is to walk with God along the country road. But you know you've not sensed or felt his love, his embrace, his filling. Maybe you came out of a church background where there wasn't talked about much or was just somehow, yeah, just or, or even shunned. Well, the Father wants to call you. He wants to draw you in. He wants to embrace you. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He wants to gift you and empower you. He wants to baptize you and fill you. Others of you think, well, I, I have been filled a while ago. Been pretty dry recently. Well, hear the call of the Father. I love the words that came earlier in the worship. You know, Be like a child. Sometimes we're too jolly sophisticated father says come as a child allow me to fill you empower you baptize you give you a gift of tongues maybe some of you thought well i love the gift of tongues but pass me by somehow no you can receive it this morning you receive it now father wants to bless you the gift of tongues edifies you builds you up it's a gift bottom line we need this it's not a luxury and the father's heart is to give us it's his delight to give you the kingdom. Let's stand, shall we?